JH. See on. Interesting conversation that we're going to be covering. Yes, indeed. We're going to be talking about why rent goes up. Because as much as we're my house price, and obviously we you know, look at house price reports and things like that, we get a lot of questions about rent and rents going up and people talking yeah. about grubby investors, greedy and grab money grabbing and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're going to have a look at that and answer a, a few of the concerns that do pop up. And then we're going to look at another way of saving money. I'm a, I'm a big believer in saving money uh, any way I can for the simple fact that every dollar saved is a dollar in my pocket. Every dollar you earn, by the time it goes through the taxes and the costs it takes to earn it and everything like it's that, not a dollar. it ends up as like 10, 20 cents in your pocket. So a dollar saved is a dollar kept, essentially. So I'm a big fan of that. So we'll look at ways to reduce your energy bill and keep more of that spend in your pocket rather than in the energy company's pockets. But first of all, let's hear an ad from our sponsors. Sure. Ready to sell your home? Don't make the rookie mistake of jumping in blind. The first step on your journey is critical. Research. You need to know what your house is really worth to get the best deal. And that's where checkmyhouseprice.com.au comes in. With a free house price report, you'll get all the juicy market intel recent sales data, and other must-have info to help you win big when selling your home. Don't gamble on your home's worth. Make checkmyhouseprice.com.au the first step in your successful selling journey. Visit us today and get your free house price report. Okay, so why does my rent go up? Um, it's the vibe. It's Marbo. It's no. <laughs> uh, look, the, the, the core reason is always supply and demand, right? The, the pressure on rental prices in Australia is the same as the, pre- the, the pressure on housing prices, right? Yep. Or, or rather the mechanisms that drive it. Basically, we have more demand than what we have supply. We have more people wanting to rent properties than what we have properties for them to rent, right? Yep. And, and this can differ on certain categories, like family home will probably see more pressure than, say, a high-end property that's that's going to be rented out at three or four grand a week yeah because there's again supply and demand it comes down to how much demand there is for that particular property Um, there are other factors that contribute as well interest rate rises going up cost of maintaining that house cost of repairs cost of all that sort of stuff ends up being passed on to the renter and of course we've just had like a stupid number of interest rate rises in in a very short period of time Mm -hmm. so Absolutely, there's investors who are going to be looking at passing that on. But then the supply and demand impact comes in. So at the end of a lease, what will happen is the real estate agent is obligated to go and do a rental appraisal. And they will then pass that rental appraisal on to the owners. And it compares all of the similar properties in a given area that have been marketed for rent and rented out. Um in, in a set period of time, right? Like the last three to six months kind of deal. Mm-hmm. The owner will get that information. 
And this is where supply and demand affects your prices. Because if the demand has been high and the supply has been low, then prices have been driven up. Because people have been able to advertise properties for rent at a significantly higher price than what you're probably paying now, which means the rental appraisal is going to go through saying, well, the market's willing to pay X amount higher than what it's currently at. Then the owner makes the call, right? Whether or not they want to jump it up. So I'm going to say something because quite honestly, I feel that there's a lot of uh, explaining as to why it goes up. But mm-hmm. the I, I feel uh, not only as a renter myself, but also there is a lot of people out there who do rent. And I feel that this would be a gripe that they have that if a if someone owns a property mm-hmm. and they're renting it out, isn't the whole, well, not the whole point, but isn't there supposed to be that the renter isn't necessarily covering the whole repayment price? That there should be, you know, like that's like what I'm saying is that if someone is paying the equivalent of a home loan repayment mm-hmm. to cover someone else's cost mm-hmm. and that an investor is just is covering, you know, rates and maintenance, then realistically, is that not unfair at the fact that the renter is literally paying a whole home loan or at least a majority of the chunk? What, Does that what make a, sense? What about this world gives you the impression it should be fair? Like, don't get me wrong. Look, and, and I'll address quickly. A lot of people have asked me over the years going, you're, you're a real estate guy, why don't you own property? And I've owned property in the past. You and I got together four or five years ago, decided to, or no, six years ago, we start, decided to move in four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And we decided, let's make sure, let's rent a place so that we can make sure our blended family works and we don't kill each other, right? Mm-hmm. And then we got comfortable, and, and so here we are. But we'll be we're, we'll be going back in and buying, you know, in the near future, of course, because from my perspective, at least, owning property is is something that we should all be aspiring to and be doing. But in answer to your question, why? What about this world gives you the belief that it should be fair? Because there's like that's not how this world works in any way, shape, or form, right? The world works on, on a pulleys and levers system, if anything, where some, where pressure is applied on one end, it there's an effect on the other. So this is where I say to you, in I, like I don't care about the rest of the world, to be honest. Right. I'm talking about just simple facts as they are presented, right? right. So you and I both know that when it comes to mortgages. They're the finance lender, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, they build in a 6% factor, don't they, when it comes to the lending? So that if you... No, no, no. So what you're thinking of, okay, it's not a 6% factor. What it is, is that in order to qualify for the loan, and this is something that came in um, after the Royal Commission into banking, mm-hmm. because lenders and brokers were playing fast and loose, right, and people got caught. They, yep. they ended up with mortgages they couldn't afford after a couple of short interest rate rises. Yep. So they brought in a rule whereby for you to qualify for the loan, you have to be able to afford a repayment that's 3% above right. okay. so 3%. what the rate is at the time that you apply for it. Now, at the time where you and I were first talking about this, the rate was 3%, so the number 6% came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and, and that's where you got 6% from. But 
Um, no, you've, you've got to be able to afford repayments at a 3% higher rate than what it is that you get approved at. Okay, so technically speaking then, the interest rate rises, like I do understand there has been quite a few yeah. <laughs> in this past year. So, But even still, that home loan that they have does factor in those increases so therefore, should it not the actually approval, turn... Hang on, the approval factors in those increases, but you, you're missing the point, right? You're sitting there going, well, they can afford it, so they should subsidise my ability to, to have shelter. No, all I'm saying is that increasing it by, you know, $100, $150 a week, right, because the local market is saying, sure, instead of it being $600 that you've been paying for, you know, however long, you're going to be paying 750 because that's what the local market is, saying that that's what you can get. So the owners are turning around going, okay, well, here you go. And you've got some owners that are doing the whole 150 and then you've got other ones that are going, hold on, we've got a really good tenant that is looking after the property we're not going to give the 150 that you're telling us that we could get. We're only going to increase by $20 or something like that. So it, it essentially, what this comes <laughs> down to... I've stumped you, haven't you I? You <laughs> haven't stumped me, but I've got to be really, really careful. Because look, I don't like rental increases any more than the next... I don't like interest rate rises any more than the next person. And I have an eternal frustration at the Australian housing market, both sides. Mm-hmm. I've experienced both sides, mm-hmm. right? This is an absolute housing crisis that we are in. Yes. But by the same token, I'm Aspie. And I know why it is the way that it is. And the emotional it's not fair doesn't phase me. It has no place in these discussions because it doesn't actually solve anything, right? So... Here's the core underlying cold, hard truth that'll probably get yeah, me it's cancelled. It's not fair. I get, I get it. We live in a capitalist society. Yes. That's it. The goal of a capitalist society is growth and profit. The goal of the counter society in a capitalist society is to keep the capitalists honest, which is always an ever ongoing challenge. So, essentially, you've got investors who are on the hook for this property. They've taken the risk. They cover repairs. They cover rates, interest rate rises, all that sort of stuff, right? And they're even covering the risk of having you in the property because if you're not a good tenant, you can be damaging the property and that could cost far more than what they make if they make anything. But who's to say they're actually making a profit here? Right? Who's to actually say that the rent that is going through is there's a reason there's negative gearing and why every government that tries to get elected on the idea that they're going to remove negative gearing either drops and scraps it or doesn't get elected. It's because the cost of providing housing is so significant that it very rarely, very rarely does it ever actually outweigh the mortgage repayments. But even then, when it does, the additional costs and everything like that, like the rates and the insurances and so on and so forth, bring that to a zero game. So for many investors, it's actually better for them to be losing money week to week because of the negative gearing and and how that happens. Now, that changes when the financial pressure on the investors is such as they need a property that's positively geared and is making them money. But positively geared properties are not as common as what the general public love to believe. Okay, so then my my question still stands as to why 
you know, there is an increase of some uh, some investors, homeowners, mm-hmm. however mm-hmm. you want to put it, increase. Sometimes they don't even increase. Sometimes they're just like, nah, I'm keeping it as yep. is. Right, so, even if the property is worth however much. But the much. people that you're talking about, because I've been present for those conversations where those people have said that yep. to you, right? They own those properties outright. The mortgages have been paid off. Yeah, but still... So there's not the financial pressures on them. They can leave it and keep it the same and the money keeps coming in. Yeah, but then you also do have other... But those, those properties aren't affected by interest rate rises or market forces. Hold on. Where we are renting currently, the previous owner had gone, no, no, no. My whole philosophy is if they look mm-hmm. after the property, I'll look after them, right? So we didn't have huge increases. We have a new person who has taken over the ownership of the house and they had increased mm-hmm. by a large amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but you know, for us, that was majority of people who had, you know, is renting, is that it's not just you know, ten, twenty, fifty dollars, it's been a hundred plus in some yeah. places. And in a lot of places in Queensland. But that's and that's market forces. But you've also got so the market forces are at play here. Okay. The our original landlord bought the property at a fantastic price. We were actually sitting at a rate with the mortgage the way that it was and interest rates low, where we were still paying off the property for him. Yeah. Entirely. Yeah. Right? And but it was because the interest rates were low and the mortgage was low. Yeah. Right? The new owners who came in paid a premium for the property because they bought at the height of the market. Interest rate rises have jumped. So they're under financial pressure and they pass it on. This is this is the the problem with it. It's one of the reasons why you and I like like, all right, we're done. We we can live <laughs> yeah, together without right. killing each other. <laughs> let's let's go buy our own place again yeah. and let's let's have our own place, right? And this is this is the, the the market at play and the forces of supply and demand. They're under financial pressure. They can pass it on. And the market in the area that we live will bear it. Mm. Right? The we're looking at we're due for a new lease and we already know where we're moving. Mm. Right? But we're expecting a twenty five percent increase. At least. I at would least. I would be I would eat my words if they turned around and just went, oh, no, we're not increasing or we're only going to increase by $10. Like, I, yeah, I would be shocked. No, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a 20 to 25% increase. Yeah. Um, and, and the market will bear it. In this area, the market will bear it because the demand is high, the supply is low, and that is the reality of the situation. Yeah. Um, and you know, I would just like to go there's been on a record buttload of, of interest rate rises too over the course of our current lease. I I would just like to go on record and just say what every renter out there is thinking: it's still crap. Oh, <laughs> like I mean, I, there's going to be a lot of renters out there going, yeah. So look, absolutely. I, I absolutely sympathise with them because, as far as I'm concerned, there is. And, you know, we've seen it where, you know, there has been increases where people are like, we literally are living week to week yeah. if we're lucky and, you know, we're living on rice because our we're stuck in the, the you know, we need somewhere to live. But at the same time, our, you know, it's, we just a, don't this have is, the... This is why it's called the rental trap, right? Oh, yeah. And, and like, you've owned property in the past. I've owned property yeah. in the past. 
um, and and we will again. And and you know we've got our own little project that we'll let everyone in on um, when when the time comes that we're we're working towards right now. But it this is why it's called the rental trap mm. is because you are never uh, in control of your destiny. No. You are far more exposed to market forces. There are things I was talking with um, someone last night, right? Um, in you know, in real estate circles and things like that, we're having a chat, and we were talking about all of the homes that are coming off fixed interest rates in the the coming weeks. Yes. Okay. And one of the things they said to me, which rings so incredibly true, is they said, "I don't think it's going to be as bad as everyone's predicting, and the headlines are predicting." He goes, all I did with my investment property is I swapped it to an interest-only loan. So my repayments and everything have... have yeah, they've know, decreased. They've, they've decreased compared to the interest rate rises yeah. and, and all the rest of it. When things settle down, I'll go back and swap it to a principal and interest loan. Yeah. And then I'll continue paying it off. And if I can pay extra, I'll pay off extra at this particular point, right? Now, by the way, that's not financial advice. I'm repeating a conversation that I had with someone in who's, yeah, who's you know, in real estate circles, go and talk owns, to someone before yeah. you know, they've, you doing know, they've, they've got three investment properties, and we were we were having this discussion. Yeah, right. And and he's, that's all I'm going to do. He doesn't think that it's going to be the major issue that that the media is pumping out. Right now, how does that then affect tenants? Yeah. Well, I'd be willing to bet that there's probably a significant portion of investors out there who haven't gone through the thought process uh, and gone, you know what, I'll just do that. Maybe it doesn't suit their strategy. Who knows? Like mm. this is, you know, you've got different brokers, different people who will, who will offer different advice and maybe we should get a couple of brokers on to have a chat about it. But there are options out there. But the easiest option is the option the market will bear and the market will bear an increase in rental prices, particularly at the present time in most metro areas and highly sought after areas. Yeah. And so that, that's the path of least resistance. Um, it's not investors being grubby or anything like that. Like, they're carrying risk. Yeah. And it's, it's insulating them against their risk, and it's a capitalist society, and, and this is the way it goes. I think that, do we like it? No, of course not. Who, who likes being told you've got to pay another $50, $100 a week, 150 a week to have a roof over your head? Yeah. Right? At the same time as our groceries are going up and fuel went from, you know, a dollar thirty to two dollars thirty and then back to two dollars, you know. None of this is good, none of this is fun. But ultimately, without the investors, we wouldn't even have property. And this is this is something that is not talked about publicly and it's something that it's it's a monumental failure on the behalf of the government, regardless of which one is in play. But in order for a new estate to get built and to be financed, right, in order for it to be financed, for a bank to, to loan the, the developer money, 25% of that estate or thereabouts has to be sold off the plan. So they've got to have deposits for 25% of an estate before they can get money from the bank to finance the development and building of that estate. Who's going to buy off the plan Who's an owner-occupier? Because if you buy off the plan... You're going to be either renting or living with the parentals. And until such time as it's built and, you yeah. you know, then building that, delays that and costs. at least 12 and, months. And then there's a, a... Well, that's whether the, like, whether the land's even registered yet. Like, yeah. it could be two years. Yeah. So who's going to do that? An investor can do that. So investors are vital to us solving the supply and demand problem in this country. 
Right. But then we also do have the added thing of that's all well and great to have a, you know, an estate, you know, created. However, an estate isn't really any use if you don't have the the construction actually happening in, with building. I'm, I'm talking the big... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who, <laughs> yeah. who develop and build the estate. Like but they build there, the houses yeah, too. Yeah, but then there is also the pl- supply and demand. With, with the building materials. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So at the end of the day... We're right? screwed. Well, <laughs> look, it, it, at the end of the day, the government has is now being called to account. And look, you know, Labor's only just got in. And, and to Labor's credit, they're trying to push hard for a $10 billion building fund to help address this problem. It's the first government I have ever seen in my lifetime. So... I'm I'm forty plus years old, and I've never seen a government turn around and go, "We're going to address the supply problem and build more houses." Isn't isn't majority of that though for um, the? Sorry, I forgot my words again. It low socioeconomic and stuff. Yeah, like, it, sorry. it is. It is. But there are also plans to help people like single mothers and things like that be able to buy their own houses with government support for deposits and and build houses. Like there's there's a lot of plans. So it's, it's approaching so it tackling the supply problem. Yeah. So it would be. Meaning that the people who are currently on those housing lists will potentially have a little bit easier yeah, with, then, with I, actually getting into a property. Because, yeah. you know, when you think about it, because I did work in federal government and I did have people that I had worked with in housing where they were just like, the lists, oh, the, it's, li- it's the, list, the lists are like three and four years long. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, so it, what, what it comes down to, it's the crisis is such, in my opinion, in, in the Australian housing market, that if you can add more houses in at any part of the chain, or at least the, the lower to mid part of the chain, so not the high-end, high-end property, but the, the low socioeconomic through to the, the middle class end of the chain, mm. right, in terms of the types of houses people in those brackets seek out and buy, yeah. okay, or rent. If you can add more supply there, you ease the pressure across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's housing that's dedicated to uh, the low socioeconomic, social housing, those sorts of things, because that takes... Because right now, the government's going out, buying houses, right, to house people. So the government is contributing in some small way to the supply and demand issue because they're part of the demand that we do not have enough supply for. Yeah. So they're going out and buying houses for social housing and things like that rather than building them. Yeah. And the current government's trying to build them. It's, you know, that that's going to be fun to watch. But this is, this is something that, look, I'm fully supportive of. If you can add more supply at any part of, of the chain, you're going to alleviate pressure. Yeah. Uh, and, and we need more of that. Yeah. So... Uh, let, let's move on because we could rabbit hole with this topic for a very long time yeah. and go around in circles and keep on talking. So let's let's get into the JTM and uh, first of all, let's play our little song so you our can little dance. Jingle so I can dance. <laughs> let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode. It's time for JTM. It's J-Thought Moment. It might be drinking whiskey, pork, pork, smoking meat, podcast and story writing. What will be his next shiny object? 
done the singing and the dancing yeah yeah, but i like it see you know okay so energy savings and monitoring yes so i would just like to say that i did not appreciate you turning off my computer this morning midway wasn't me (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to monitor it that didn't work we we got some monitoring (laughs) devices right uh to play with and to, to test out and see like even even in the podcast room right now i can i can tell you exactly how much energy we've burned in this podcast room. So I, we've, I do have a we've question. gone through 9.2 watts, 0.11 kilowatts I have a question. Was today. there a reason why the fan on our bed in our bedroom was on? Yeah, I was, I was, there, was, there was a Zoom <laughs> going on in there. Um, well, well and I needed to okay, so it call. wasn't for this particular episode. No, and I completely left it on and forgot that it was on. <laughs> <sighs> so this, this episode, it's this, fine, I turned this, it off. this JTM is entirely about reminding me of how to save energy. Um, <laughs> but no, so we got, actually what's quite funny is, is in our office where I went to plug in these energy monitoring devices. Um, and he turned off my computer. There's, there's so much power draw happening because there's multiple computers, there's a wine fridge, there's a story behind that one another day. Um, you know, printers, four monitors, you know, uh, security system, the whole works. And there's so much power being drawn that the average home level monitoring cannot cope with it. Um, so we're going to have to get yeah, some sort it, of industrial. It was it just, just access it denied. Just for it. It's just like, <laughs> nah, I'm out of here. I'm not doing it. But all right. So first and foremost, I think monitoring is is vital because there's so many devices these days that we have in the home that we don't actually know. Like we get these little stickers on them when we buy a new fridge or TV. It's like, hey, this is the energy rating. It could be one through to five stars. We don't actually know what that means in terms of how it hits our hip pocket. So monitoring is actually a really good move so we can actually see which devices are costing us the most. Yeah. And I think I think that's that's a big one. Um, so we've, we've plugged in, you know, to monitor the TVs, our fridge, bits and pieces. So that'll be really good. But saving energy, I feel like I'm going to be an old dad here. Too late. <laughs> feel the love. All right. So turn off the lights. Like this is, this is, I feel like this is an easy one. And I feel like you and I are walking around the house constantly with four kids going, why is your bedroom light on? Why is the toilet light on? Why is the bathroom light on? Why is the hallway light on when everyone's outside running around? It is, but I feel that I also ask you those questions too, or I just go and turn it off. Sometimes even while you're still in the room. <laughs> I didn't know you had your bus license, James. <laughs> right. Speed bump. <laughs> Feeling a bit bruised right now. But yes, no, you, you, I mean, I'll, I'll get ice cream out of the freezer and pull out a spoon, turn around and the spoon's gone because you've put it away on me. Efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. <laughs> and we're talking about energy and efficiencies at uh-huh, the moment. Uh-huh. So, yes, look, turn off turn off your lights, yeah. obviously. Do you, do you know what? One thing that I had always done before moving in with you, and I've started to do it again because I was like, I'm just going to start doing this. I don't care what anyone says. They can yell and rant and rave at me all they like. But I, of a night time, when you're in the office – and then our eldest is playing TV and I'm watching TV in the living room, the only lights on in the house 
are those. Yep. And apart, that's fair. apart from the toilet light, which is on for the, the youngest two yeah, yeah, down the other end of the house, but that's more of a you know comfort thing for them, and that's fine. Yeah. But those of a night time, that's when it happens, where we really just go. Mm-mm. It's through summer that I find that I'm walking around going, if there's people out in the lounge room, why is their bedroom fans on? Keep the room cool. When they're not in there. Yeah, yeah. so when they walk back in, it's it's cool. How about just opening up a window? Well, this is it. And and then that clears the teenage stankiness of teenage boys. Um, yeah. But so, there is lots of those things. Like, yep. literal. And the other thing that I know all parents are out there going, oh, my God, yes. That they turn a light on to see where they're going and then they turn it straight off. Yeah. Even though they've, you know, they know where they're going and they've walked that path many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. But let's just do a quick on and off just to see where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just burn some energy. All right. So, obviously, switching lights off, switching electrical appliances off when you're not using them. Yeah, like kettles and toasters and stuff. There's no need to have them on because you're not using them all the time. Exactly, exactly. Interestingly, interestingly, so one of the things that you've always said to me is turn the TV off at the wall, right, whenever... He's going to say, here, you don't have to. The monitor hasn't picked up any energy spend over the last four hours on that TV, even though it's plugged in at the wall and turned on. Okay, good. So that's an interesting... I'll I'll watch that. We'll we'll come back and close to that one. Um, So switch to energy-saving light bulbs, LEDs. I think everyone switched Uh, to LEDs by now, surely. A lot of people have. It's probably more of the older homes. Yeah. But even still, you can get oh, a you lot get of on. yeah, a lot of the the newer bulbs that are being made that are in that older yeah, yeah. style tend to be energy LEDs saving anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, here's here's an interesting one, and I think this is going to apply to homes in colder states, not so much Queensland, because Queensland typically has open plan, nice flow through, and everything like that for airflow. Uh, but shut doors and close curtains. Ah, I do that through winter. Yes. I do that through winter. Because it keeps the heat in. Even, even with the blinds, like if you've got blinds, curtains, yep. whatever. Pull the blinds down. Pull them down. And then, do you know what? Even through summer, you should have them down because um, when you've got aircon on, it acts as a little bit of an insulator between yep. the glass and the blind. So, therefore, the aircon work doesn't have to work as hard. Exactly. However, then you've got to have a light on so you can see what you're doing. No, you don't because, you know, you can still see stuff because the light from the sun is still coming in. But it's you've got only, the blinds down. It's only if you've got a really dark home to begin with. We're lucky enough that it's not. If I all the blinds like, are down, it's I think dark. I needs to get glasses anyway. I've had my vision tested. I'm <laughs> 2020. I'm probably 2019. But still, it's decent enough vision. Like, I put your well, glasses on. you don't on need to have the light on. Uh, get a low, torch. Low, low light's terrible. <laughs> Low light's terrible for you, Vish. Get a torch. All right. Or a lantern, since you're such an old man. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is just a rag on me day here. Um, All right. Save energy in how you wash and dry your clothes. Yes. So wait till your machine is full before starting a washing site. That's never a problem in this house. A, I'm a super-sized human. And B, there's six of us. So between my clothes and everyone else's clothes, we always have a full load. I am a bit of a Nazi when it comes to that. 
Yeah. There has been times where you've gone in and you're like, so I've turned the washing machine on. There's something wrong with it. Wait a minute. I did turn it off at the wall. Did you turn it on at the wall? Ah, uh, That's yeah. not me. That's one of the kids. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, no, I didn't. Let's go and, oh, it's working now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I do go in and I turn the dryer and the washing machine off at the wall. Yeah. And also I do end up having, um, when it comes to, the linen. I also put the linen into onto the line. I don't put it into the dryer. Yeah, yeah no, fair. Enough. And I mean, you you inherited a massive industrial dryer um, from from your days when your parents were running uh, a dry cleaning company. So that I imagine that thing. I'm I'm keen to see how much power that thing absorbs. I don't think you really want to know. To I, be honest. <laughs> kind of do but i also kind of don't do you know what there's a lot i i'm going to say something and there's going to be a lot of sparkies that are like <gasps> so what my dad did oh no no we're not going to talk about this because we're, we're not no no i don't want the liability of knowing this okay um <laughs> do you know did you know that washing your clothes in cold water can save around 115 dollars per year yeah I, like, I know this because I'd worked in, you know, in that type of industry. So when it comes to all of that sort of stuff, I I am aware that, yes, cold and believe it or not, your darks, your darks should be washed in, in cold. In cold. It's only really your linens because you want to break down the body fats and the oils that you want to have in hot water. Oh, here's one. Or whites. Okay. Here's one, here's one that's going to be contentious for me. The recommendation from energy, uh, the Energy Department of Victorian Government, is the ideal fridge temperature for your free and temperature for your freezer is four to five degrees Celsius and minus fifteen to minus eighteen degrees. So I'm assuming what that that's terribly worded, but I'm assuming they mean four to five degrees Celsius for your fridge temperature and negative fifteen to negative eighteen for your freezer. Yeah. What's hard to believe about that? I want my fridge at two to three degrees because it keeps food longer. And any money I spend or we spend on energy to keep it there, I think is offset by okay. not having to throw out food. I want, to, I want to put something in here. So would it not be how many times the fridge or freezer is open? Because let's face it, oh, having children... Yeah, yeah, that'll definitely um, have an impact. There is the definite... And you know what? There has been times where I've caught you doing this too, where you're standing in front of the fridge going, I don't know what I want, but I'll stand here and look at it and hope it will jump out and bite me. I was ha- There's a genie in there. <laughs> he doesn't grant wishes, but you, you, He'll you, just you try and convince stuff. him every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, cooking. Put frozen food in your fridge in the morning to thaw out and reduce cooking time in the evening. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, when cooking, use the microwave when you can. Microwave uses much less energy than an electric oven. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not a microwave cooker. Um, I, I just, yeah. I'm sorry. I can't get on board with that. No. It, like even reheating, I... I yeah. Microwaves like, make shit taste bad. It's not even that. It's just more of a lot of the stuff these days you put into plastics. A yeah. lot there's a lot of plastics that you can buy that aren't necessarily PBA free. So See, I'm, not, I'm not even worried about that. I just don't like the taste. Uh, use the stove. Keep lids on pots to reduce cooking time. Yep. 
Uh, plan to cook more and have leftover meals for the next day or the whole week. Keep leftover meals in the freezer. Yes. That sounds like a whole lot of life admin. No, because when you uh, – of a morning, you take it out because here in Queensland, you know, it, if you work from home, you can have it defrosted by midday. <laughs> um, <laughs> But even still, if you, you know, through winter and you're in Queensland, you can lift it out of a morning and it will be, you know, right to go, depending on how much. Like for us, yeah. family of six, like, you know. But, you know, if it's just one person, you can even just leave it in the fridge and it will defrost over the day. Plan ahead, I reckon, is what they're trying to get at. I think I think that's that's what they're trying to get at. All right. And, of course, get the best energy deal. So each each state government website, I think, has some sort of energy comparison and they've got things set in a certain way as well. But I'd, I'd be checking those out. I'd be monitoring. I'd be looking at all the different kids' devices to see what devices can be shut off. Well, um, here's another thing that I don't know whether you're aware of or not, but using different appliances at different times. So yeah. you do have, I think it's like here in Queensland, I do know that it's from 8 p.m. I don't know what the other states are, but normally 8 p.m. through to, I think it's 6 a.m. Uh, is, is off peak, which means yep. that if you're going to do your washing and your drying, that's the better time to actually do it because even though you're using appliances for a little bit longer than, you know, like a toaster and a kettle, uh, then it's actually better off to do it that time of night because you're using it longer, but it's actually cheaper. So having a look as to when you're off peak, you're on peak, your yep. economical time is, all of that sort of stuff will help you. And the last one, which is the biggest, but you can only do it if, if you own the property, of course, um, is solar. Yeah. Taking advantage of all the grants and everything like that to get solar energy in play, and and it's something that that yeah I absolutely want to do. I think solar's fantastic, and who likes paying an energy bill? Like if we can reduce it with solar, then I think that that's far better. Mm. Increases the value of your home too, so that's always yeah. a win. But that's it. That's it for this. It's been a big air. We got on a, a soapbox to talk about you know the rents and that sort of thing. You came at me hard there. Well, you need uh, yeah. look. I've got some hard facts. Hard facts. It was. It was more. It's not fair. Well, no. I, look, quite honestly, there is a lot of people out there that do say those exact words that well, it isn't fair, and I know that you hate it when people go, "It's not fair," because no, no one promised life, fair. Life isn't fair. It's not. No but, one promised fair, and and I think, you know, for me, when I look at it, claiming something's not fair is blaming something else it's it's basically saying i don't have the ability to respond to this and we've always got the ability to respond to a situation we might not like what our options are for response but we still have the ability to take control and to respond to a situation and and look i've i've I, been someone I who do. nearly went bankrupt i've been someone who's built companies and so forth and, and owned property as well so i've been in all shoes in or, or um, not all but you know many shoes over the years and the one thing that I've always found is the moment that I cry, it's not fair, I stop listening to what actually is. I stop acknowledging what actually is and trying to figure out how I make that work for me. And that's, so that's where I come from at it. And look, people can like that or I not. I do feel though you sort of got stuck on that point that I said it's not fair. Yeah, absolutely. Because the moment, the moment we say it's not fair... But that's not what our topic was about. <laughs> no, but our topic was about why do my rents keep going up? 
It's not about being fair. It's about this is what the market is and what the world is that we live in. This is how it works. It's not fair. It's never been promised to be fair. So figure out how you make that work for you and how you adjust and work around that. Yeah. And then, you know, so you're off your soapbox now? Ah, uh, look, I, I think I need an entire episode that never goes to air of just sitting on the soapbox for about three hours. But anyway, that's another story. Look, the so, one thing I take away from our energy-saving tips in our conversation is we need to find some way to just trade in the kids because I think our energy bill would drop by about 80% if we, if we found a way to... I don't know, the way that you love having fans on. <laughs> yeah, I'm still only 20% of the problem. <laughs> And on that note, 